vinyl records. We're looking for clean discs that have been cared for, collectible LPs and sought-after genres. Rock, jazz, hip-hop, heavy metal, dance, even rare and valuable records. If you are a collector who's looking to downsize, give new collectors something good to take home. Email feedback at wjffradio.org and support Radio Catskill with your donation of high-quality vinyl today. Live from Radio Catskill Studios in Liberty, New York, this is the Local Edition. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Jason Dole. we got news and information to keep you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. Tonight, we talk live with Michelle Huck, Assistant County Manager for Sullivan County. We'll be talking about the Corporate Compliance Program on our check-in with Sullivan County. And then we'll get the latest local news from the Sullivan County Democrat. Editor Derek Kirk brings us the Democrats' weekly news roundup. And if we have enough time, as you may have heard, Radio Catskill's music sale is coming up. It's not this Saturday. It's next Saturday already. Thanksgiving's next Thursday. It's November 25th. It's happening in Liberty. And if we have some time, we'll do a little bit of a preview. Hope to be doing more of these, checking in with some of the many people who organize this music sale and give you a bit of a sneak peek behind the scenes. So let's hope we have some time for that. But first, let's start everything off tonight on the local edition with some New York State news. Governor Kathy Hochul stepping up anti-terrorism efforts in New York. This is in response to a rise in hate crimes and growing incidents of harassment following the ongoing violence in Israel and Gaza. Karen DeWitt has more. Hochul says she's upping staffing to the FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force and will allocate $2.5 million to the state police to add 10 more investigators to New York City, Buffalo, Rochester, and Albany. Hochul says the actions come after investigations of bias-related incidents increased by 124% in October, with an over 200% spike in anti-Jewish incidents. We've determined that the rising level of hate and anti-Semitism in particular poses a clear and present danger to the safety and well-being of all New Yorkers. And I, as governor, am doing everything in my power to fight back. Hochul says she's trying to avoid major transit disruptions during the upcoming Thanksgiving weekend after pro-Palestinian protesters briefly shut down Grand Central Station on Friday. She's also deployed the state police to synagogues and yeshivas and mosques and other places that could be susceptible to hate crimes or violence. The governor spoke after a meeting with the state's top anti-terrorism experts. State Police Lieutenant Colonel Andrew Crow says officers are investigating a number of cases. I can't talk about particular individual investigations, but I can tell you that the number has increased exponentially since October 7th. Uh, the number of investigations we're involved in as an entity of the state police and the Joint Terrorism Task Force. State police arrested and charged a Cornell University student who made violent threats against Jewish students on campus. Crow says law enforcement is also using special software to monitor social media sites and to try to counter hate speech there and flag potentially violent threats. 
Hochul, who says she hasn't seen so many incidences of hate-related threats and crimes since after 9-11, says the state has already set up a hotline to report bias-related incidents. Hate crimes against Muslims are also being underreported. That is not how we can deal with them. We need the public to step forward. If you've been violated, you've been harassed physically, verbally, you have to let us know so we can step up and protect you. Hochul is also meeting with Jewish and Muslim leaders. She spoke at the American Jewish Committee Board of Governors meeting on Sunday night. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. And thank you to Karen DeWitt and New York Public News Network for that report. And right now it's time to go to our uh, live guest for the evening because last week was National Corporate Compliance Week. And Sullivan County is working to be in compliance with the Corporate Compliance Program. Sullivan County Corporate Compliance Program aims to create a culture of fairness, reduce risks, and make sure the county follows laws at the federal, state, and local levels. And here to tell us more about this, because I don't fully understand this myself, so I'm hoping to learn something here, is the person who oversees the Corporate Compliance Program. It's Assistant County Manager for Sullivan County and the Corporate Compliance Officer, Michelle Huck, joining us live on air here. Michelle, welcome to the program. Hi, Jason. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. So uh, I, I've just said a lot about corporate compliance program, but I must admit that I don't I don't fully know or understand what this is. And um, but I do see it's like it, this is like a key part of your job uh, as assistant county manager, correct? Yes, it is. It is. Um, we have the corporate compliance program in place. It helps us ensure that the county is following the laws and regulations that apply to us. Um, we have two uh, corporate compliance program coordinators that work with me, Christine Panos and Kateria Romero, who are amazing at their job. And as you said, you're, you're learning about it, and we learn about it all the time because things are always changing. New York State especially is always changing regulations. Um, they just came out with a new Part 521 and some updates to that that we're implementing right now as we speak. So that was part of our National Corporate Compliance and Ethics Week that we celebrated last week with our staff. When, when you say it's like national corporate compliance, does this mean uh, other, other people in other civic organizations such as yourself across the country are all you know, taking the time to, to focus on this? Yes, there's a lot of um, businesses and uh, other municipalities and state and federal governments that have that requ- are required to have a, a corporate compliance program within their organization. So it's very specific also to even Medicaid billing. So anyone that bills for Medicaid or receives payments for Medicaid are required to have this corporate compliance program. So how does the county's corporate compliance program, uh, what, how does it ensure that, that folks are following the rules and acting ethically at work and things like that? So there, there are seven elements of an effective compliance program um, that are laid out from the state, and those are standards and procedures. So we have all of our procedures that the employees have to follow, um, as well as it's not just our employees, right? It's our vendors, it's our volunteers, anyone that works with the county in any capacity has to follow the corporate compliance program. Um, we have the compliance oversight, which we have a corporate compliance committee, and we have um, you know, the staff that work under me. We have our education and training. We train our staff. We train our volunteers. 
We do monitoring and auditing, reporting and investigating, um, enforcement and discipline, and response and prevention. So part of that response and prevention right now, we're working on our risk assessment that we'll put together for the county, which will identify our risk areas and places for us to work, which feeds into our 2024 work plan for the corporate compliance program. And I guess then following the program also helps address issues and follows specific laws pertaining to waste, fraud, and, and abuse. abuse. Yeah. So yeah, what, what's that component like? Um, so we have our, like our false, false claims act that we have. We have our whistleblower policy. We have our county code of conduct, um, which applies to, like I said before, not just our employees, but our volunteers, our contractors. Um, and then we have our confidential reporting of, um, suspected compliance violations. So we have a hotline listed on our website. And part of the um, new uh, Part 521, one of the new regulations that came out is that we're required to notify all Medicaid recipients of our compliance program. So that way, if anyone suspects fraud, waste, or abuse, they would be able to report that into us. And this this compliance hotline, then this would, again, this pertains to the county's own uh, actions, the actions of its employees, and then I guess also those with whom you contract services? As well as the contractors, yes. Yeah. So if someone suspects that there's fraud or waste or abuse within one of our contractors that we work with, then they would be able to report that to us for investigation. So this is something like like county employees need to know about this hotline? Oh, absolutely. Yes. We um, we train on that. It's one of our biggest topics when we train is the hotline because we want to be able, we want people to understand that they can call and they can report something anonymously. They don't have to leave their name. They don't have to leave a phone number. They can just call. It's it's an outside agency that takes the, the hotline call. The call is transcribed and then that's sent to myself as well as Julie Desher, our Commissioner of Human Resources. And that's sent under a password-protected um, complaint. So it's very confidential. And like I said, it can be anonymous as well. So let's keep following that, that hypothetical. I mean, what what actually happens if someone breaks the rules and, and you know, how, how does the process uh, stay open and, and fair uh, when investigations are taking place? So investigations will come in to myself. They'll come in through an email. A lot of people will call us to have a conversation. Um, if we get a hotline complaint, we start that investigative process. So there's a lot of things that come into play when a report gets filed first. Obviously, if it had anything to do with myself or my office or anyone that I had a conflict with, that would be handed off to Julie Desher as the Commissioner of Human Resources or one of the other compliance program coordinators to investigate. And we we start the conversation, right? We start fact-finding. We start um, looking at different things to proceed with the investigation. We talk to as many employees as we need to talk to, any outside contractors. And then we, we come to some kind of a conclusion. We issue a report on that investigation. A lot of times, I have to say, I would say, you know, 90% 90, 90 of the time that we do an investigation, it's really a re-education piece for employees or for outside agencies. Some things they might not know, they might not be aware of. Um, so it's really an education piece for us, which is, is good because we have the ability to know where we fault, right, when we're educating our staff to be able to enhance that going forward. 
And I, and I hear you mentioned there, it sounds like there's some, some built in, uh, uh, defenses against conflict of interest, which I imagine must be important because, I mean, it's a big county in terms of land, but it's a small county in terms it's of a- <laughs> everybody kind of knows everyone, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And there really has to be a, a true conflict there for us to conflict that out. But I mean, it happens. It is a small county and there's a lot of people that are related or very friendly with people. And we want to make sure that we keep that that wall up so everything is fair and consistent. That's a big thing with um, compliance in general is everything needs to be consistent. So how you would approach a, one employee during an investigation, someone that did the same thing, you would you would do the same thing. So consistency is, is definitely key. Oh, and and is this, I mean, many people in their own workplace might be familiar with uh, compliance training when it pertains to things like uh, bias and harassment. Are those sorts of things covered under this or, or is that different? So bias and harassment is a little bit different and that is handled usually in our human resources department. So we have very specific policies that cover those types of situations. And that's something that the commissioner of human resources would investigate on her own and she has her own procedure. All right. And then is because it seems like there's so many checks and bounces every step of the way. Uh, how do you make sure that the program is effective? Is there a, a review process or something uh, like and who do you report to? So the review process really is our corporate compliance committee. We have a, a group of staff that get together and we have a, a corporate compliance committee. They're overseeing on a, on a high level what we're doing. Um, and they're one of the requirements for an effective compliance program is to have that direct relationship with the board. So in this case, it would be the legislature. So with the legislature, I will go into executive session and kind of talk to them about things that we obviously can't talk about in public because a lot of what we do in corporate compliance is is confidential to to an extent. Um, so there is that direct connect to the legislature. And obviously, I work for Josh Potosik, our county manager. So it's really constant communication between the the department heads, the staff, um, with our office, with our HR department, with the legislature. So we all have to really communicate consistently to, to make this work. Along those lines, uh, you, you mentioned the legislature. You're working there at Sullivan County. And as we know, recently um, there was an election. There is going to be a whole new group of legislators coming into the county, and you've seen this sort of thing happen before because you've been working for the county for a couple decades, and I was just wondering if you could you could just talk about uh, how you anticipate things to go as there is a change of power at the county level. Sure. So I've actually been working for the county for 22 years. I originally started with the legislature, and um, yes, I've seen plenty people come and go. Um, I think that, uh, you know, change is exciting, right? You never know what you're going to get, but change is, is definitely exciting, and there's a lot of really great things going on in the county right now, so to keep that consistency would be great. Um, and I, I mean, it, the biggest thing for us here in our office is, you know, we all re- remain very bipartisan. We work for all nine legislators at all times. So anyone that, you know, wants to come to us and, and talk, we're, we're here. And um, I think it's an exciting time for Sullivan County. So, so I'm excited. I think we're all excited. 
Yeah, and, that, and that's kind of why I wanted to ask you about that, just to kind of underscore for listeners that there's, as much as we talk about politics and there's plenty of elected positions within the county, there's a plenty, plenty, of, plenty of non-elected positions, plenty of folks just doing the day-to-day work of keeping the county going. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's for all the offices in general. I mean, for the most part, obviously, like you said, besides the elected offices, we, you know, we we all work for, for the county manager who works for all nine legislators. So our direction ultimately comes from the legislature through the county manager and then down to all of the staff. So we're here to work for all nine. Michelle, why we've got you, is there uh, anything else going on in the county manager's office uh, in your purview that, that you want to let folks know about? Um, I ju- you know, just to kind of touch on the, the National Corporate Compliance Week a little bit more, we did some really fun activities with our staff, and we've gotten a really good response from that. We have um, the National Corporate Compliance uh, for our compliance champion that we um, initiated. So this was for any staff member to to put up an employee of theirs or someone that they work with or someone that they've seen that they feel is a compliance champion. And we've also had a, um, a meme competition, which is, is very funny. And I'm hoping that we can um, release some of those around to the, uh, the staff as well as to the public because we have some very imaginative staff. So it's, it's worked out really good and it's brought some, um, some really good uh, light to the compliance program. Wait, wait, wait. So, so wait, staff is making memes about yes. compliance? Yes, yes, because <laughs> compliance is fun. I know. I run the <laughs> risk of, like, venturing somewhere that does not work on radio. Can you give us any kind of an example of a compliance meme? Um, there's one, I mean, we sent out one that was, uh, a, a little kitty cat on top of a whole bunch of files that said compliance cat is on top of things. Um, <laughs> there's another one with a gentleman standing at the filing cabinet that says, does anyone know where we keep the unwritten rules? <laughs> <laughs> well, so it's, it's kind of to bring some light and some, uh, some humor to the workplace. Sure. Sure, that's good. Well, I want to thank you for bringing some uh, light and information to our show tonight. Uh, Michelle Huck, Assistant County Manager for Sullivan County, thank you for talking to us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get the latest news from the Sullivan County Democrats. Stay right where you are. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Hi, I'm Kusar Grace KG, host of the Music Emporium. Two hours of great music right here on Radio Catskill. Sometimes I start out with a little bit of talk concerning things in the world for the week. Then I'll jump into some tunes that you will enjoy. Jazz, funk, blues, and more. So come and hang out with me. The Music Emporium. Tuesday night, 7 to 9, right here on Radio Catskill. That'll be coming up tomorrow night. And, of course, uh, coming up uh, after the local edition is The Daily, the latest news from the New York Times talking about the news of the day. And then also 
7, it's Laura Flanders with The Laura Flanders Show. And uh, if you missed the Janice Adams Show this past Saturday, Laura Flanders was Janice's guest. And that was an interesting conversation as well. So if you're a fan of Laura Flanders, uh, check out The Janice Adams Show at WJFFRadio.org on our podcast page or in our archives or at JaniceAdams.com. Before we get back into the program, I'll let you know about the weather. Uh, partly cloudy this evening, increasing clouds through the overnight with light rain and possibly even some snow developing in the undernight. Just a 30% chance precipitation, nothing about accumulation. Mostly cloudy tomorrow and uh, temperatures uh, steady in the upper to mid-30s. Partly cloudy tomorrow night, overnight low down around 25. This is Radio Catskill. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Furniture Restore, located on Main Street in Jeffersonville, specializing in antique and vintage furniture, rugs, art, and lighting, because buying well-made and pre-owned is a better choice for the planet. Winter hours online at therestorejville.com. And from the River Reporter, the community newspaper serving four counties along the Delaware River in Pennsylvania and New York, riverreporter.com. And from listeners like you. And welcome back to the local edition news and information, keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. Even on a Monday evening, hope the start of your week was fine and dandy. The thing that we do to start off our week on a Monday is we get the latest news from the Sullivan County Democrat. It's the weekly news roundup. From the Sullivan County Democrat, and for that, Patricio Rabio spoke to Derek Kirk earlier today. The county manager, Joshua Potasek, presented the 2024 tentative Sullivan County budget to the legislature Thursday, and it looks to be there's no tax increase and some debt reduction. Some of the highlights for this budget include a list of things, including a historic $23.6 million update for the road and bridge work throughout the county, among other things, listing out the maximum salaries and fixed pays payments to the electors, the Sullivan County electors who are going to be taking office on January 1st. So more in-depth detail could be found about the, the upcoming budget for our county on the front page of the Sullivan County Democrat. The first thing you said off there was no, I guess, no raise taxes for this upcoming budget. Is that correct? Uh, yes. You have a next story here. You recently had the Pride Awards. This is where the Sullivan County Chamber of Commerce gives awards out to those who are in the community who've done great things, like Business Person of the Year or someone who, or, or company that has done great things over the past year or years. It recently was held at the Villa Roma. Derek, will you tell me that? Because this is an annual event that the, I know the Democrat does the, the lack of a better word, the playbill for the event at night. So what can you tell us about some of the awardees that was there? So, yeah, just before we go on, the Democrat did put together the playbill or the flyer for the dinner. So we're able to meet a number of the awardees and recipients with 10 in total. And the dinner was held at the clubhouse of the Villa Roma on Thursday, November 9th, where uh, the president and CEO of the Sullivan County Chamber, Jamie Schmeiser, was alongside chairwoman of the Chamber of Commerce, Don Seorch. CRCRE to present the awards recipients. Some of the recipients were like business person of the year, right? And they give out those type of awards? These 
Yeah, there was Business Person of the Year, and there were Distinguished Township Awards and a number of variety of categories that highlighted the individuals and groups of people, sometimes their strengths, their ability to unite the community through uh, not just business, but in everyday practice. So it was a nice event that honored a lot of people who really pull Solvent County together and keep the economy as bustling as it can be. It was Veterans Day uh, on Saturday. It was officially recognized on Friday. And uh, there was a lot of parades, a lot of uh, events that are happening across across the county. Uh, A lot of towns and villages do celebrate in their own personal way. And a Democrat does a great job in going to, uh, if not all the events, most events. So what can the folks expect uh, on the coverage of the Veterans Day events that happen over the weekend? Hundreds of Sullivan County veterans were honored for their service to the nation over Veterans Day weekend. It was, uh, it did land on a Saturday this year, so a number of the ceremonies did land on Friday, of course. And it was a weekend of salutes and solemn prayers as uh, a number of these locations upheld their local uh, heroes, their local heroes and men and women who gave so much to their nation and received their rightful praise today as they should every day. We, we covered the towns of Bethel, Fallsburg, and Highland, as well as the village of Monticello and the hamlet of Gramsville. More can be found on those ceremonies as well as their ongoings and the people who helped bring them to life. Absolutely. And like I said, the Democrat does a great job in presenting those events. I've been to so many of those events over the years, and it's really great for the community to come together. We just came off an election, so whatever side of the aisle you're in, everyone does come around to, to appreciate those who have served in the military on Veterans Day and Veterans Day weekend. So, again, Derek, thank you so much for talking to us, letting us know what's happening on the pages of the Sullivan County Democrat, where you can find our newsstands starting tomorrow, or you can check out online at scdemocratonline.com. Derek, until next week, talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Patricio. Well, we've gotten through the news of the day. Now let's talk a little bit about the music sale. Radio Catskills music sale is coming up on the Saturday after Thanksgiving. That's November 25th. That's next Saturday already. And we have so many interesting things that have been donated, so many great records and equipment. I can't even tell you about it. So to help me out, uh, I spoke with one of the volunteers who are helping organize the event. My name is David Dan, and I am right at the moment testing a Hitachi direct drive turntable for those who are younger than I am. A turntable is something you use to play records, which is an old form of uh, audio entertainment Um, and this little item seems to work very well it's a bit dusty but i'm cleaning it up and it's just missing a stylus but once you have that you're ready to go so this is the sort of thing you do a lot of as we get closer to the saturday after thanksgiving which is our big music sale absolutely you know we spend oh a good month or so preparing all the the wonderful things that we have for the sale including thousands and thousands of lps cds tapes and tons and tons of gear like this hitachi direct drive we're saying tons of gear i mean you, you focus on the gear most years, right? 
I tend to be the guy who's uh, doing some of the gear work, yes. And uh, I, and have you ever seen a year in the many years of the music sale and your time with it? Have you ever seen a year with as much audio equipment and gear as we've got this year? I, I have to say, Jason, I have never seen a year like this year. Uh, uh, we have probably for every item that we have that is in fine working condition for the sale, we have items that need work, and that's what I'm doing right now, working on it. Working on it. Amazing, amazing amount of stuff. What's your what's your favorite thing to come across? What do you enjoy seeing? Well, I really uh, some of the older gear, like the older radios or tape decks, they're just fun to look at and poke, and sometimes they actually work. Uh, and of course, the records as well. There's there are all kinds of wonderful treasures hidden in the boxes. There is that kind of retro, electro-mechanical like aesthetic that, that's really cool, depending. These things come from different eras. you got things here from the 70s, things from the 80s. Um, did you see this, this little Bell & Howell uh, cassette player up here? This is the one that kind of got me excited just because it looks cool. I have no use for this, but look how cool it looks. It's very cool, and, it, and if it actually works, well, it'll be cooler <laughs> than cool. Um, yeah, that's that's a 60s item for sure because it's a cassette deck, and cassettes came in about 67, 68. Yeah, and it's and it's high-end or something that was trying to be like it was high-end because it's it's not vertical. I was used to, I grew up with cassette players that were all kind of vertical. This is a hor- this is something that would just lay out flat on a on a counter. Yeah, very much like reel-to-reel tape decks which were the technology that preceded this. Speaking of reel-to-reels, have you seen how many reel-to-reels we have this year? Yeah, I just finished checking one. It lights up. Uh, it looks like the belts are not working. It's an old Realistic, I want to say, which was a Radio Shack brand. And, oh, no, Lafayette, which was, oh. which was Lafayette, which was a competitor for Radio Shack. Um, but uh, it looks like it could be fixed if somebody had a screwdriver and a, a bit of time. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll see if we can dig one up for you. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> Radio Catskill Music Sale is next Saturday, November 25th, going from 10 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon at the sale's new location, Liberty Mall, 15 Sullivan Avenue in Liberty. It's right across from Liberty Diner. Cash or Venmo accepted. Admissions $5. We're going to be talking about the music sale leading right up to the sale. We're not going to be talking about anything else tonight, though, because that's the end of the local edition. Thank you so much to all our guests. Thank you for listening. Do keep listening on air, online at wjffradio.org. Ask your smartphone, your smart device to play Radio Catskill. I'm Jason Dole. will be back tomorrow night. The Daily is next.